The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Good to see you all. And um, as we allow a few minutes for others to arrive this evening, I would like to invite you to think of a time uh, that you have difficulty uh, extending compassion to yourself or extending compassion to others. So we'll just just spend a couple minutes um, maybe getting in touch with that as we wait for everyone to come in. A time when you have difficulty extending compassion to yourself, or a time when you have difficulty extending compassion to someone else. That could be someone close to you or someone just in in public life or, you know, that we have plenty of contacts we can consider compassion. And just giving yourself a minute to settle in, arrive, kind of recognize how your day has been. And I'm uh, going to reflect a bit on self-compassion this evening again because uh, the, a couple times ago when I was here, I asked what people would like more of, and some folks said, let's do some more self-compassion practice. It's one that, you know, a lot of people have challenges with. If it's one that's easy for you, you can definitely consider whether compassion for others, you could substitute compassion for others as I speak this evening. But probably for many of us, self-compassion is uh, sometimes a challenge. So um, I happened to catch a very old movie over the weekend that caught my attention and seemed to have a lot to do with self-compassion. It was about a group of escaped convicts and a woman who regarded herself as not worthy and kind of cheap and was escaping with them. And they were trying to escape an island on which they were all imprisoned. The convicts literally imprisoned and the woman uh, imprisoned by her life circumstances, you might say. And each of these people were determined to find better lives. In the course of the movie, a stranger suddenly appears among the convicts and escapes with them. And the stranger shows a remarkable compassion for each of them along the way, um, seemingly, you know, watching them with empathy, no matter how self-destructive or brutal their behavior is, there's a calmness about this person. And in the course of the attempt to escape from the island, uh, most of them die. But before they do, they each come to a full realization about how they've behaved and the harm they've caused, uh, the harm they've done in the world as they've lived their lives. Um, they, you know, as sort of a dramatic uh, device, they each disclose that or they recount that to the stranger very soon before they die. And as they disclose their faults to the stranger, they don't recount it in a self-blaming or self-pitying way. 
they each share their understanding of their past and how they've been living in a way that seems almost surprised or as if they're seeing a revelation, almost like the shades had been lifted from their eyes. And now they're seeing their behaviors honestly, but not at all harshly. And it seemed to me watching this movie that they were seeing something that we can ultimately see through this practice. And that is that we are not our behaviors. There's more to us than our patterns, our habits of unwholesome behavior, no matter how long standing uh, those behaviors might be. It struck me as this powerful and profound piece of self-compassion. We can come to truth without being hard on ourselves. And it's part of what we're cultivating as we're saying compassion phrases. Each time we consciously, even each time we consciously recognize a lack of compassion, maybe lack of self-compassion, that noticing it with mindfulness is the beginning of starting to see things truthfully. And at first, maybe we're upset about it. Maybe we're still blaming ourselves or judging ourselves. But that recognition starts to cultivate this compassion that can see things honestly and calmly. We can come to that moment when we can be truthful to ourselves, about ourselves, in an open-eyed way, without blame, without harshness, without pressure. And that's when we start to, you know, as we practice compassion, that starts to come online more and more the longer we practice. And I'll say it's a time when we're not making excuses for bad behavior. We're not rationalizing things we've done that weren't so great. We're not being complacent. And we do see oftentimes that we have to change or that a behavior has outworn its uh, lack of usefulness. It's outworn itself and we need to change. But this fuller compassion one of the ways that we can come to this truthfulness without blame is that is to recognize that there are many, many causes and conditions that result in what we do. And compassion recognizes that we don't create all of those causes and conditions that affect our lives. We do create some of them. So we can become aware of the role we've played without being harsh towards ourselves. Um, my husband uh, is a pilot and a flight instructor as one of his very passionate hobbies. And he's done this for decades. So he tends to watch these videos that analyze how uh, plane crashes happen to try and learn, you know, what were the mistakes that led up to it. And he was watching one recently that involved a cargo plane, a commercial cargo a jet that crashed. And um they analyze, as they analyzed the crash, they were interviewing the pilot and the man, this was 25 years later, and it was clear that he was suppressing tears. He was still very upset with himself about it. And of course, pilots are taught to be very responsible for, you know, all their actions. But as they analyzed the crash, they talked about the fact that number one, the, all the pilots had been doing a long, uh, duty before they were called to do this one, uh, flight. And at that time, 25 years ago, 
cargo companies tended to pressure their pilots to take those extra gigs, even when they didn't feel like it. And they, they were all kind of aware that they might lose their job if they didn't take it, because the attitude was, if, if you don't take it, we'll find somebody else to do it. Um, and then the, the second factor was, as they were landing at this airport, it happened to be on a border of a U.S. territory with another country that was reputed to uh, shoot down planes if, or, or shoot at planes if they veered over into the wrong airspace. And then thirdly, the, uh, there was a um, beacon, a uh, flashing beacon that was out of order and the pilots didn't know it. And also the controller didn't know it and didn't, didn't tell them. So as they were trying to find their landing pattern, uh, they mistook uh, sun glinting off the roof of a building for the missing beacon. So, you know, as, this was an example of how sometimes we can take more responsibility for things than we, than is our part. So this pressure from the cargo companies to take uh, longer duty than it was helpful. The missing beacon, the fact that they were on the border, they were tired, and they made mistakes that had to do with fatigue. And ultimately, it was analyzed as one of the first crashes that was really due entirely to fatigue, pilot fatigue. And as a result, cargo plane uh, companies changed their rules and became more um, concerned about the time on duty for pilots. So I illustrate this, I use this as an illustration that um, sometimes, you know, causes and conditions are in our lives, but they're not created by us. And sometimes we're just doing our best to cope with the situation. And we don't yet see uh, the disadvantages of our coping mechanisms. So I can think of an example in my own life. There was a time when I was overworking long hours during the week. And it seemed like a great thing to do on one of the weekend days was to binge watch television. <laughs> and after a while, I began to notice that I felt exhausted and irritable after that kind of relaxation. And I started to see that this passive activity was a reaction to heavy activity all week, but it wasn't a good solution. And then I could take responsibility for the fact that my irritability towards others was not about their behaviors. It was about my irritability. So um, maybe you can think of examples in your own life where uh, you've become aware that, you know, the causes and conditions include other things that are going on, that you're making an attempt to cope, but that sometimes the, the attempt is ineffective. And ultimately, with compassion, we can start to see that and see, ah, okay, that has to, I have to let go of that. Um, we just go through a series of challenges in our adult lives for which we have to learn more effective coping. And I think we can cultivate this honesty as we see things mindfully. And we see them sometimes with emotion, with regret, with sorrow, with, you know, frustration with ourselves or others. But as we see both the thing that happened and our emotion, we can start to, we can stop identifying that as me and just see the suffering in it. Um, we can start to see a pattern without uh, being so hard on ourselves and without thinking that who I am is some kind of permanent thing. We're normal human beings. We learn and we change constantly. 
so with this idea of developing equanimity uh, through self-compassion, um, I, another good example we might think of is people who've come through addiction to recovery and have been in recovery for a while. Um, they have certainly, many of them have processed their sorrow and regret, but some of them have spent enough time acknowledging and processing what's happened that they no longer need to be hard on themselves and others. They can kind of speak about it very factually and with some equanimity. So this compassion that allows us to be truthful, to admit some of our actions don't work, and to see alternatives and choose more skillful responses is the theme for this evening. But as we we do the guided meditation that I'll begin right now, the emphasis is on recognizing what's going on in you, in you right in this moment and today that might call for some compassion. So if you'd like to find a comfortable and alert sitting posture and take a few breaths, deeper breaths perhaps. And begin by recognizing causes and conditions from today that might be affecting your body right in this moment. Some of them are causes and conditions that you did not create. Some of them you may have played a role in. But just seeing honestly, how is your body right now? And how does that reflect today or this week or this period of your life? Without self-blame, without other blame. And as you sense what's going on in your body, you can extend the wish to yourself, may I be healthy? May may I experience my body as best I can in this moment, in whatever state of health or ill health I currently have. May I be compassionate towards conditions in my body. May I notice any emotions that are present with honesty. 
there may be unpleasant emotions present after today or in this moment. And with mindfulness, we're holding a mirror up that does not judge what it is mirroring. It can be unpleasant. It can be pleasant. May I simply acknowledge my emotions with honesty. Some emotions may be quite delightful or calm, or it may not even feel like you're experiencing any emotion right now. Whatever is happening, you could extend the wish or the intention. May I be free from harm? And allowing yourself to be with whatever thinking might be arising. Acknowledging whatever conditions and causes have brought about thinking from today or even this talk. Not judging your thinking. Not treating it as wrong. Just honestly acknowledging what's there without any harshness. If self-judgment or blame are arising, simply acknowledging that we may have been conditioned to blame ourselves or to be hard on ourselves for any number of reasons.
May I be free of suffering even when I notice unpleasant things or self-judgment. May I release the suffering. Feel free to use whatever phrases are supportive for you as we continue this meditation. And perhaps if they're useful, bringing up, may I be compassionate towards the causes and conditions in my life. May I recognize behaviors without blame May I see suffering without blaming myself. May I know my experience with honesty. May I allow experience kindly.
If the attention drifts, bring it back very gently with kind wishes for yourself. May I be healthy. May I be free from harm. May I be happy. May I be free of suffering. May I know my experience honestly without self-blame.
Sometimes this type of meditation brings up quite strongly a relationship with another person in our lives. And if it's possible, if that's happening for you, you may wish to extend some of these phrases towards them after bringing them fully into your mind and heart. Perhaps seeing an image of them uh, bringing up whatever positive qualities you feel they have and letting those fill your heart. And extending these same good wishes towards them. May you be healthy. May you be free from harm and blame. May you be happy. May you know your experience honestly and be free of suffering. We are all subject to causes and conditions. May you be free of self-blame for causes and conditions that surround you. And may you take responsibility for your role without harshness. 
May we all know our experience truthfully, but without harshness. May we recognize that there are many causes and conditions affecting our lives, some of which we create, but many of which we did not create. May we extend compassion for patterns of behavior that we've fallen into, recognizing they were attempts to cope with conditions, and that we are not our patterns of behavior. We are far more than that. May we be free from suffering. So um, by exploring this territory and recognizing the times when we're subject to conditions that are external to us and also our own taking responsibility for our own reactions or our own coping mechanisms without uh, self-blame, we can cultivate this kind of compassion that becomes increasingly equanimous honest, is able to see clearly without taking it personally. And so with that, I want to give some time here for uh, small groups and to, as I set those up, to encourage, as always, that if you each uh, make one point in those small groups um, and then let the uh, discussion go around the group, it can be very helpful um, to, let's see, how many people we've got here. It can be very helpful to um, give space to listening other, to others very carefully and hearing what they're saying and letting that be an inspiration for your next point. And also, we're always listening um, with 
an eye to what's going on inside us and not commenting or providing advice to one another. So we'll be in the rooms about 15 minutes and I'm going to send you off now into small groups. So please enjoy your discussion. Welcome back, everyone. So uh, we have five minutes now or four minutes to uh, share any inspirations that came from the group, any questions, comments, and you can feel free to uh, unmute or raise your hand, whichever feels comfortable for you. Yes, Ali. And then... Um, after Ali, uh, there's someone who has her hand raised. I'm sorry, I don't see your name, but Ali first. Okay. Thank you, Liz, for your teaching. In the group, it came out, uh, uh, a lady was sharing about tracing the thought back into the body. And then I know they, uh, in a couple of the practices, they say the emotions, but I've never really heard the thought, tracing the thought when it comes into the mind into the body. Can you uh, kind of elaborate on that if you could? Thank you. Actually, that is a, a wonderful suggestion. I'm glad that came up in your uh, group, that sometimes we can notice the impact of a thought in the body. You know, you think something and you can feel a change in sensation, or a thought can produce a feeling, could be unpleasant, pleasant, could be an emotion. You can notice that. And then, and then sometimes that's a pathway to notice, you know, is there more tension? Is there heat? Is there, you know, shakiness? Is there, you know, just, just to study it and just to recognize. Sometimes we can notice the impact of the thought just on the head. You know, some, some of us have noticed tightness around the eyes or tightness in the forehead. So that's an excellent practice. Thanks for bringing that up. And then I'd like to invite you to share. Um, you're on your iPhone and you have your hand up. Please unmute. Yeah. So I think that you might have been talking about it in the beginning of our talk about how much do I have to extend my self-compassion to, towards to me because uh, I'm afraid that if I reach too much of my, uh, if I have too much of self-compassion, it might make me uh, more like procrastinated about to-do list or um, oh maybe this part I have to change my attitude maybe I have to be a little different maybe something like that but if I have a self-compassion to me too much then oh maybe uh, it's okay I don't have to do and I might just to stay or stuck in one place then I'm never okay. going to improve myself you're raising an important point 
that sometimes people are hard on themselves or they don't extend self-compassion when they think they need to motivate themselves. Um, so there's a distinction between compassion for yourself and just going completely you know, lax giving up responsibility for your actions or letting yourself go. Um, however, you might just want to uh, study this area of when you are in, inclined to relax more than you on another level want to, you know, what, what happens to you? And to recognize that compassion might be a recognition of something different than just letting go of everything uh, in a way that's not the way you'd like to be responsible. So I just invite you to to reflect on that a little more and kind of notice more about what's happening in those moments. But it's a good question because that sometimes pe- people motivate themselves a bit with a little bit of self being hard on themselves. And that's been a way that they got energy. It's been a way they've pushed forward. Um, we're in our last minute here, but Fred, please share your comment. I just wanted to say how much I appreciate being in the groups. Um, Today we got to be, it was all guys. I really appreciate that too. Um, I know my own tendency It's is not uh, uh, exotic that rely maybe too much on on women in my life for uh, more intimate conversation. But I feel like here we have an opportunity to to do that. And I just really appreciate it. Thank you. Great. And um, since we're at the end of our meeting, feel free to unmute and say goodbye and thank you to each other. And thank you to all of you very much for this practice. Thank you, Liz. Thanks thank so you. much. Good night. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, thank you Michael. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye, Valerie. Good night, Wayne. Good night, Jenny. Good night, all. Hi, Liz. I just wanted to thank you. I was coming out of Nikki's retreat um, today, and she suggested this group, so 